Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Good to be together. My name's Tim, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. And it's great to have you with us this morning. It's going to be up to 70-some degrees. Beautiful Sunday. Enjoy it. Just uh, get it all, man, because it's just great to have these spring days so early in the year. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, some stuff in your bulletin. Maybe there. I don't know if it is. I didn't look at the bulletin. But I know that uh, we're going to be starting a new series next week called Road to Easter. We're going to be looking at uh, what did Jesus, as he turns toward Jerusalem and works his way to the cross, what happens along the way? And we're going to be focusing on people and things that he says as we get closer to Easter. And then we'll top it all off with uh, our Easter service at the end of the month. Also, I just want to... I know uh, Alan mentioned something about baptisms, and I know that Ashley uh, Rice is here this morning. There she is in the red. Thank you. It's exciting. And Ashley, we're so happy that you're a part of us, and and uh, we hope that uh, you, you'll just uh, enjoy being in God's family. It's a great, great, uh, great place to be. Um, we've been learning a lot about serving. Uh, I've had some people say things to me like, when's this service uh, series going to be over. You know, when are we going to move on? Um, wh- why is that? Well, we're not, serving isn't something we're crazy about doing, but Jesus is. He loves serving. And he, and we've been looking at this particular passage just about every week, over and over again in John 13. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it goes something like this. The disciples were together and they were having, they're getting together for the Passover meal. And as they're getting together, they've had a full day together. The guys are filing in, uh, in this upper room. And usually there's a fella at the doorway, a servant with a wash pot and a towel and some rags and they're cleaning and drying off feet as people walked in. Because back then you walked everywhere, not like today. I mean, you did. You walked everywhere. Well, there's nobody at the door. And so they file in one at a time, and maybe they noticed it. They noticed that everybody's got dirty feet, and where's the guy that usually does this? Well, it ain't going to be me. I don't know what's going on. They sit down. Everybody sits down. Even Jesus walks in with his dirty feet. Nobody's there to wash his feet. And he sits down, and they begin to eat together. And then somewhere during the meal, he gets up. No words, no fanfare, just starts getting up. And this is what the Bible says here in verses 12 through 17 of this chapter. John notices this. When they had finished, when he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and sat down again. And he said, do you understand what I've just done for you? So he's got up. He's without anybody really noticing until John notices. And he starts washing everybody's feet and he sits down. And he says, do you, do you understand what I've just done for you? You call me, he says, teacher and Lord. It's interesting. You call me by these titles and you're right. I am your teacher. I am Lord. I am sir. Uh, The word behind Lord, kurios, means sir or one that's in charge or boss. You're the boss. And so they're saying, yeah, you call me teacher. You call me the boss. You call me Lord and you're right about that. And look what the boss does. Look what your teacher does. The person you listen to. I've washed your feet. And you should do that for each other. And I did this to show you, to set you an example, that you should do this for each other. Because I tell you the truth, a servant is no greater than his master, 
And if you know these things, you're going to be blessed if you do them. It's not just knowing, but if you'll do them, you're going to have this wonderful, blessed life, a servant's life. Well, what's Jesus done? As I look at this over and over, I keep asking myself, he says, do you understand what you what I've just done for you? Well, what has he done? Well, it's not the foot washing necessarily. It's why he's washing feet. And what he's really showing these guys is that this is what's behind serving. It's close to the center of serving. Love is at the center of serving. Would you agree with that? Sure. But so is humility. Humility has something to do with serving. In fact, it's something we choose to do. It's something I must choose to do. The Bible talks about that. Humble yourselves, humble yourselves. Moses, uh, Joseph, all these different people, they talk about how they humbled themselves. And it's something that you and I, Jesus calls us to do. Because he says, that's what I'm doing. He's not barking out orders. Even though he's a Lord, he's not barking out orders. And he could, he could give a lecture. He's a teacher, but he says, I'm not, I'm not giving you guys a lecture. He's not doing this to shame them. He's trying to help them understand this is what you've, if you're going to be a part of me, if we're going to be together, this is what I came to do. I came to seek and save the lost, but I came to serve, not be served. And I want you to understand this is the way of life I want you to incorporate as well. He's not pointing like a supervisor. He's participating in what he's preaching. He practices it. He says, you serve. Look what I'm willing to do, he's saying. Look what I'm choosing to do. You see me humbling myself. And I want you to do the same thing. Paul captures this idea of humility in Philippians 2. This is another passage we've been looking at. And I, I like the living Bible here. It says, don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they're doing. Then he says, your attitude should be the kind that was shown, that was shown us by Jesus Christ. In other words, that example that he set. What's that example? What has he shown us? What attitude has he shown us? Humility. In Galatians 5, he talks to the church of Galatia. He says these words, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And see, if I'm going to serve like Jesus, if I'm going to be like Jesus, if I'm going to follow His example, it means I must choose to humble myself. It's going to take humility from me. Um, in fact, James says it this way, humble yourselves. Even Peter says the same thing. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He'll lift you up. Have you ever been humiliated? I've been humiliated many times. I've said to my wife many times, the egg finds its way to my face. Like on the heels of a, of a, of a boast, there it pop right in the side of the head. I'll try to do something to impress somebody. I'll try to say something impressive. And I'm just out of touch and I don't make any sense. I've been, I've been embarrassed so many times, humiliated so many times. The question is, really, the question is not, have you ever been humiliated? We've all been humiliated in some way. The question is, does it humble me? Does it humble me? Because there's lots of circumstances that 
humiliate me and attempt to humble me, failure can be a big wake-up call, huh? I failed. Wow. I I feel so dumb, humiliated, whatever it be. Certain circumstances can humiliate me. Get sick. Become, Become someone that can't take care of yourself and someone has to take care of you. That can happen. That Those things can humiliate us. But do they humble us? See, even people can hum, try to humble us. They try to do things to us, try to say things to us, to humble us. Even God Himself will step in and will humble us. I remember my dad used to say, he got knocked off his high horse and now he's riding his Shetland pony. And a Shetland pony is a small, very small horse. And I thought, what is he talking? There's lots of things happen. God can make things happen. He's humiliated and humbled many people. Nebuchadnezzar, Pharaoh, Joseph, Moses. When you stick your hand in your shirt and you pull it out and it's leprosy, yeah! <laughs> stick it back in there. <laughs> pull it back out. It's, oh. He's trying to say, don't worry, Moses. You're not me. You're just a man. And so there's all these people in the Bible, even the Apostle Paul humbled on his way to take care of these Christians on his way to Damascus. And he literally gets knocked down and blind for three days. What is a guy that's been disciplined like that, humbled like that by God, blinded like that by God, pray about while he can't see anything? Oh God, I'm sorry. I really messed up. I'll never do it again. Please let me see again. Oh my gosh, what have I done? All that stuff. It's... But you know, I know a lot of times, church, to be honest, I've been humiliated many times, but not humbled. I've been knocked down, and I get back up, and I'm not humbled. My heart is even hardened a little. You know what I'm talking about? You can be humiliated, you can be humbled, but unless you humble yourself... You don't find out. You don't. You don't achieve true humility. I, I think I, I used to. I, I, there's a passage or somewhere where Jesus says, "When He comes again, every knee will bow." Does that include the the prideful and the stubborn? I would. Th- every knee will bow and confess Him as Lord. We're going to talk about how can that happen? How can the most prideful, rebellious unbeliever find themselves confessing the name of Jesus. How do they... They even can humble themselves. See, unless I humble myself, I'm I'm never going to really understand what Jesus is doing here because that's how He served with humility. He had the humility of a servant. So humility is up to me. Humility is up to you. Well, how do, how do I humble myself? What can I do? Well, I, I think there's some elements in this room as we close this series out. I think there's some elements in this room that help us understand what I can do to achieve humility in my own life. Let's get right to them. Number one, I admit I'm a human being. I just admit I'm human. I don't know if you saw this or not, but we landed on the moon successfully for the first time in 50 years. Isn't that awesome? 
The private, a private company with NASA's help. They needed NASA. All these guys that know more stuff and all, you know, they're amazing and educated and scientific and they land on the moon. But did you know that the lander's laying on its side? Oops. They were coming in and they're trying to land it and one of the legs catches a rock or something and boom. We've landed! Everybody's cheering. Yay! What happened? You could just see him high-fiving. Yeah, we can do it. We're the best of the best. Yeah, well, your best of the best is leaning over the least. It's kind of doing one of those. You know, even the best of us are human beings. We make mistakes. And um, it's I don't know if it's easy. What I really appreciated about NASA and this private company, they really quickly got out there and said, look, we messed this up. They had, listen, think about this. In 50 years, the technology we now have, they had lasers and all kinds of sensors. This is going to be a, a cakewalk. No, it's not. Even with all the development, we still have our moments where we're just not, oops, uh, something went wrong. Is it easy for you to admit you're wrong? And that's easy for me. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? We don't like being wrong. Oh, it's a gill thing. Oh, it's a human thing. And we just don't like looking like we don't know what we're talking about. I mean, do you accept help? Do you like accepting help? I remember as a little kid, already swatting my mom's hand away. I can do this. I can tie my shoe. And, and it went from tying shoes to all kinds of things. And as I'm getting older, I'm finding out I need more help. I'm falling down. I get it wrong. I worked on the washer today, or this week. Our washer had this small drippy leak. You walk in the house, what's that musty smell? Denise goes, well, I've been telling you for months there's this little drip leak, and I'd like you to fix it. Sure. I call up, you know, Don says, hey, what are you doing today? Well, I'm going to fix the washer. Let me help. Now I've got backup. I know I'm going to do well at this. And we, he goes, you got to do this. You got to do this. I know this. I know this. But, you know, it's still good to have the backup. And we're, and he's put the dope on it. Now what? Now turn it. Turn it one more time. One more time. Okay, you got it. Hooked it up. Not a drop. Next morning, I get in my truck. I'm driving along. And my phone rings. Damn, get back here. Here comes hum, here comes the shame. The shame returns. Whatever. And I'm, I wheel around and I go and, and the bathroom is flooded. The kitchen's got water in it. The basement's got water. You know, my beautiful ceiling, water's coming in through a light. Through, I'm like, what is going to happen now? And she's like, what did you do? And I'm, I'm like, I know, I just, uh, I'm awful. I don't know. I, I thought I had a right. Dawn! Don's the guy that caused this. She goes, no, it wasn't Don. No, you, well, it isn't. It's not Don. Like the woman you gave me, Lord. No, it's not Don. <laughs> I forgot to put the drainage pipe back in the drain. To err is human. To make a mistake is against company policy. <laughs> we mess up. I don't know. And you know, to, to ask for help, to get help. 
And I don't know, it's just, and it's, and I, I can only say because I've been following Jesus a long time. It seems like the longer I follow Jesus, the more I think I've got my act together. The more I think I'm, I've got it going. You would think that it would make you humble as you follow Jesus, but in this case, with these disciples, that's not what's going on. As Jesus works his way around the table, and as he, he teaches with a towel, he gets to Peter. And what's Peter do? Oh. Jesus came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Is that just, do you get the impression that's just maybe a little more going on there in that question? And are you washing my feet after I've seen you wash everybody else's? I'm just curious. Or is it, you're not washing my feet, are you? I get to see him pulling his toes back. You know, maybe he's got a little toe jam. He doesn't want Jesus to see. I don't know. You, you're going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, you don't understand. He doesn't say yes. Yes, I'm going to wash your feet. That's an obvious, you don't understand. There's something you don't understand. There's something that you haven't got yet. You've got more to learn here, Peter. This is the same guy that said, you're the Lord and the Christ. This is the same guy walking on water. And he says, you, you still haven't got it yet. There's still more to learn here. You're going to learn it later, because later you're going to really foul up. But you'll learn it later. And he says, no, you'll never wash my feet. You don't get it, Peter. You don't get it. Look what he says. He goes, he says, he says, unless I wash you, you'll have no part of me. He's, he, Peter's going, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this room? You're not going to do this here. Not with me. Okay. But this is, this is what I do, Peter. This is what I do in every room. And if you don't let me do that in this room, you can't be a part of me. I've really been studying that, that part. What does he mean, not be a part of me? Ministry? Relationship? All I know is he warns Peter of this problem. He sees Peter's got some, he's got some pride here. Because that's what pride does. It questions the, what Jesus is asking you to do. Pride always is questioning the truth. There's a little pride there. And he says, well, if that's the case, then wash my hands. Wash my head. I, so is, what, is, what does that mean? Is he saying, is this a humble statement? Oh, Lord, if that's the case, wash my hands. Wash my head, too, as you wash my feet. Is it, a, is it a sarcasm? Well, if that's the case, then you need to wash all of me. I mean, it's really tough to figure out what is he saying here? What is it? What's behind this? I'm not so sure, but I know this. Peter knows who Jesus is. He knows who he is, but he's forgotten who he is. He's just a man. He's just a human being. See, the truth is, over time, my self-righteousness can make me proud. And I have to always remember, this is how I humble myself. I don't have it all together. Not really. If I have anything together, it's by the grace of God. It's only by the Lord Himself. I need Jesus just as much as everybody else does. 
just as much as the newest person or the worst sinner you can think of. I, I don't want to make the mistake that the publican, you know, thank God I'm not like, or the, the, the guy says, I thank God I'm not like him. And remember, the, the guy goes, oh Lord, I'm just a sinner. I want to be that guy. Now what's going on here is, is I need Jesus and I need him a lot. Not just as a crutch, but as Rick Warren once said, as my iron lung. That's how much I need him. And when I start realizing that, it begins to humble me and I begin to humble myself. Listen to this, what Isaiah says. He humbly admits this. We are like clay and you are the potter. Your hands made us all. What's he saying? We, you and I, we are human beings. We're clay. We didn't make ourselves. We've been made. We've been created. And it's His hands, God's hands that made us. And it's His hands that serve you and I. So that means that I just need to realize I don't know it all. Sometimes I'm wrong. I've got dirt. I make mistakes. I have flaws. And that, when I see that, that I don't get hardened to it and resist it, but I accept it and let it, and I humble myself. And this humility that's from my humanity begins to shape and temper how I treat other people. That's the first thing. I admit I'm human. Number two, I acknowledge God's glory. Want to be humble? Stand before God. Just stand before God. Be aware of the presence of God. God is in the room in this upper room. God in the flesh is in this upper room. Habakkuk says it this way, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. I've been to some incredible places. I've been so blessed. My wife and I, last summer, Denise and I went to Grand Canyon. We went to Zion's National Park, Bryce Canyon, Horseshoe Bend. Uh, I've been to the Rockies. I've been seeing oceans, sunrises, sunsets. I watched the shuttle take off from miles away and it shook the ground under my feet. I mean, it was only about a quarter of an inch tall and it shook the ground. Been to Yellowstone, Monument Valley. I've, if you've ever been to something like that, something so powerful, uh, at the air show in St. Louis when the Harrier jet would come in and whoa, it hover there and you're going, and your rib cage is shaking. You're going, oh my gosh, I'm nothing. I'm so glad we have that weapon. My goodness, I wouldn't stand a chance. I'm so small. I remember standing at Grand Canyon on my 40th birthday watching the sunrise and I yell, I am nothing. And I hear a guy on the other point, I am nothing too. It was just awe. But as a Christian author, Paul David Tripp said this, there is nothing that will put you in your place, nothing that will correct your distorted view of yourself, Nothing that will yank you out of your functional arrogance or nothing that will take the wind out of your cells of self-righteousness 
like standing without defense before the awesome glory of God. David said it shorter. Look at this. The proud cannot stand before you. Why not? They're like those Nazis in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. They refuse to close their eyes and they melt before the presence of God. They won't humble themselves. No one can be arrogant before God very long until their mouths drop open, their knees begin to buckle and fall. No one, no arrogant person can do that very long until their bodies begin to bow and their lips confess what's true. Job says, I covered my, I put my hand over my mouth. When God confronts him, he's in the presence of God. Can you do this, Job? Can you do this, Job? Can you do this, Job? Job says, I put my hand over my mouth. Who am I to speak? Peter, after fishing all night, and he's, they've caught, caught nothing, and here comes the son of a carpenter says, try the other side of the boat, and you can see Peter going, we fished here all night, but because you say so, let's see what happens. And he looks at Peter, you know, looks at his, go ahead, let's, well, let's get, you know, it's humoring. What, must have caught on a snag or something. And it's such a large amount of fish. And look what Peter does. He saw this. He knelt in front of Jesus and said, leave me, Lord, I'm a sinful person in the presence of God. I'm in the presence of God. There's a captain, a centurion. He's in charge of the execution. He is, he is ordered who's getting beaten, how they're getting beaten, and who's nailing who to, the, this, to these crosses. And up they go, two thieves and the Son of God. And he watches as what's taking place. He hears the crowd. He sees Mary. He sees John. He hears Jesus speaking. He's watching this take place. And he stands before God and look what he says. He stood in front of Jesus and saw how he died. He said, surely this was the Son of God. This proud, arrogant soldier is humbled and he humbles himself. He can't help but say, this is the Son of God. And for a moment here, for a moment in this room, God in the flesh is in this room. He's present. And who is doing the kneeling in this room? God Himself. God Himself humbles Himself. Peter is in this room. He has watched this guy walk on water and heal the sick and feed gobs of people. And, he, and he's watching him wash the dirt off his feet. And as he watches, he's arguing with Jesus, but then he stops. He's silent. Why? Because he's humbled by it. He's humbled by what he sees. Look what he later writes. He gets it. He understands it later. Be humble in the presence of God's mighty power, and he will honor you when the time comes. Church, I want you to, I want to remind you of something. God is in your room wherever you are. 
God is present in, in your bedroom, your bathroom, the living room, your workroom. He's, he's in this room. Does it humble you? Do you find yourself going, man, I am so, I know the word's a bad word, lucky. I'm so fortunate to be able to stand in the presence of God, to be in the presence of God. The pride can't, the proud cannot stand, cannot handle the presence of God. I want him to think about this because in this room, in this room, God has answered prayers, changed lives, has brought people into his kingdom in this room now, and just in this room, restored people. Are you not humbled by that? I can't do any of that. Only God can do these things. And He's letting us participate in this. Letting us even be in this room. In His presence. Yes. You know, those 12 guys didn't have it all together. Just like we don't have it all together. And yet Jesus goes, I want you in this room. I want to be in this room. I want to be where you are. We sing that song. I just want to be where you are. And he goes, you know who wrote that first? Me. Because I want to be where you are. And I'm saying, church, you know, it's humiliating. It's humbling. Let it humble you. And thirdly, I will humble myself when I appreciate what God is doing for me. I think I put done for me. It's really what God has not only done, but is still doing for me. Receiving service can be humbling. In the book called Improving Your Serve by Chuck Swindle, written years ago, one of the things he talks about how pride is, not only does it prevent us from serving some, a lot, pride will also make it hard for us to receive service. That's how you can know if you've got pride in your life that you're letting somebody help you. I know some of you say, I have no trouble. Anybody can help me anytime you want. Okay, well, that's not always true. I know for me it's not. I don't want people helping me. I want to do it all on my own. I don't admit I'm weak. I'm getting to the age where I'm starting to lose my balance. And I, it's a good thing I'm able to grab something. But I know one day I'm going to reach out and it's not going to be there. <laughs> you know, And bam, I'm going to go. And now some of you here know, as we, as we get older, some of us understand this. But it's not only then, when I was a kid, I needed help. I think about my mother and what she, she changed me, cleaned up after me. I go to, I went this morning, I went this morning to my clothes, my drawer, and inside are, here's my underwear. It magically appears there every day. I'm perplexed. Maybe somebody can help me. No, my wife washes my under, my stinky underwear. It's, it's like, and I, and I go, Lord, I've got a good woman. I checked the socks. Wow, she even did the socks. I've got a good, 
I, I know people, my brother, well, at the drop of a hat, I'll say, Danny, I need some help. He's right there. What do you need help with? I know, but he's busy. Not too busy to help you, Tim. I get all this service, and sometimes I don't, I'm going, man, that's, that's so weak of me. It's, it's just, I feel weak. I feel like, oh, I need to have people. I, I should be able to do this on my own. And I'm sure that sometimes that my wife and my mother had thought, probably had times where they said, I wish you could learn to do this on your own. But when somebody's serving, I don't know what it is, for, uh, it is for you, but when someone's serving me, especially, especially when I don't deserve it, which is often, I don't deserve this. What are you doing coming by? What are you doing helping me with this? Well, I heard you needed that. I need you. I'm not as, I, I, I'm not as strong as I once was. Jesus says, you do not realize, he says, you do not realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. I guess this is something we have to, it takes a while to understand all the things that Jesus does for us. He says, do you understand what I've just done for you? What a question. And what a question he might ask you or I. Do you understand what I've done for you, Tim? I think I do, but I'm sure there's more. What does he want me to understand that I do things for you. What's he wants you and I to know here at Greater Alton Church? God does. I do things for you. I listen. I'm, I'm a YouTube short addict. Anybody else? Oh my! You know. Sometimes I wonder why they show me some. I, I have to go quickly through it because I go. Oh no, we're not watching that. But this one guy's talking about just how much God does things. Like, you know, he took that car out of the way where you were standing. He moved that car out of the way or he kept you from going down that street or he, we need to see how much God has done for us. And I, I remember my, uh, my uh, sister-in-law saying, if we could just peel back to him and we could see just how much God intervenes and does things for us, we would be awestruck by it. But when I start realizing and I start recalling how much God has done and is still doing for me, that He still was willing to serve me. Mistakes and all. Shortcomings and all. Hang-ups and all. Remember, listen, somebody needs to hear this. He washed everybody's feet. He will wash yours. And when I stop and think about that, all the things God has done for me, it, it gets me emotional because I'm going, He does stuff I can't do. He washes me clean. As I walk with Him in the light, every sin, He washes away. I can't scrub that out. He scrubs it out. And He does this by getting on His knees. And that's His nature. Look at this in Isaiah 53. The Lord says, My servant, who always does what is right. He says, My servant. Who's this servant He's talking about? Jesus. My servant, who always does what is right, will make His people right with me. And he'll take away their sins. He serves me? You might ask yourself, does he serve me? Absolutely, without hesitation. You know, the Apostle Paul called himself the worst sinner on the planet. We know that passage. He goes, I'm the worst. But God displayed his grace and his love. Though I was the worst of sinners, he dies for me. Romans talks about, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. You know, that's got it all together. A good man? They talk about it. But what about the rest of us? God demonstrates His love toward 
all of us by dying for us. Paul said it this way as we are closing here. It says in Ephesians 3, By God's special favor and mighty power, I have been given the wonderful privilege of serving Him. Then he says, just think, though I did nothing to deserve it, and though I am the least deserving Christian there is, I was chosen. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall on my knees. And I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. It humbles me. I humble myself. I fall on my knees. I worship. Worship and humility go together, you know. You really want to worship God, you worship Him best when you're humble. Someone said this one time, humility is not just thinking less of myself, but thinking of myself less. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here in this room. He's thinking less about himself. And he's thinking more about others. And he's thinking, by the way, he hasn't changed his mind. Even today in this room, he's thinking more of you than he is of himself. He chose you. He chooses you. Listen, church. He chooses you. Oh, you don't want to choose me. Yes, I do. Oh, you must. I must be your third or fourth choice. No, he's. you are his first choice choice got to see this and because of that he wants you to let your humanity bring about humility let what he's done for you appreciate it and let's and as we as we're talking about this year of being the heart of a servant I don't believe that the uh, what we've been experiencing in the last few months is not coincidental. It's because many of you have said, God, give me that heart of a servant. And I'm just wondering what's going to happen this year. As we're seeing just the first, you know, first, just the first two months. What is God going to do? Whatever room you're in. Humble yourself and serve. Pick up that towel. I've got a clip here where we play this as we close out. Um, it's from the Jesus Revolution movie. I know some of you saw this movie. And in church, this is where God's trying to take us. The setting's in the 70s, I believe, and there's this revolution of lots of people seeking the Lord. But there are people that churches normally aren't too crazy about having. They're dirty. And you see the tension between um, the traditional church and the way Christ wants the church to be. Let's see if we can listen to this. These kids are runaways, most of them. They got drug addictions, medical issues. And they need our help. Yeah, but Chuck, (laughs) I mean, they need to go home. They're making our congregation uncomfortable. Well, maybe they should be uncomfortable. Maybe we all should. Maybe it's my job to make us uncomfortable. I haven't been doing it. Chuck, stop. This is enough. This is a house of worship. And yes, we expect a certain level of dignity here. These girls are wearing halter tops and half of them aren't even wearing shoes. They're staining the new shag carpet with their bare feet. A carpet? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, let's be sure to save the carpet.
You keep this up and you're going to drive away the only contributing members that we've got. Are you hearing me now? Loud and clear. What is going on? Last year, I had the privilege of visiting uh, New York City. And like any good tourist, I paid a visit to the Statue of Liberty. And I read those famous words. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. And as I read those words, I thought, well, that's Christianity, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's the essence of it. An invitation to the broken. Jesus was very friendly with the outcasts. In Revelation 22 it says, Let the one who can hear say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the waters of life freely. Amen. Amen. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. That's what, we're, that's, what we got, that's what God's calling us church to be. In this room and in the rooms you're in this week. There's a card in your bulletin, and if you'd like to respond to this lesson, maybe there's an observation or maybe a thing you want to confess or you want prayers about we've we've got a team of people that pray through these cards they don't talk to anybody else they don't gossip about what's on those cards they pray through those cards for you they do it all week take advantage of that now we're gonna after i pray here we're gonna sing a song give you time to do that and then you can put those cards in those baskets along with the rest of us here at contribution that you have that you're planning on giving today and if you're a guest here you're not obligated to give we didn't we're, we're just glad you're here we're not trying to get anything from you we want to give you something and we hope it's been a great sunday morning let's pray father thank you for this this story and it just the, there's so much in here thank you for jesus and his example and as disciples father we Oh, we humbly ask you to help us be a servant like your son. We know you promised, Father, your son promised that we'd be blessed if we do them. And, Father, we pray that we'll seek this blessed life. Father, we're not perfect. We know that. We humble ourselves knowing this. We need you. We need each other. And before your presence... 
to know you're listening to us, we humble ourselves to this prayer. For we thank you, Father, for everything you've done and that you're still doing. It humbles us. And we choose this heart, this heart of humility, as we serve and represent you this week. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Before the world began, you were on his mind.
Yeah.